Day six of the Road to Westeros podcast preview is sponsored by True Car. Now, if you're looking to buy a new or used car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing when you look up online about actual inventory. A lot of times, that's not the case. You walk in and there's sticker shock, and not everybody is the master of coin. You don't have the Iron Bank of Bravos uh, backing you up when you just want to buy a car. People are configuring these cars online and they find out that the car they want are also not available with true car you're getting real pricing on actual inventory not just pricing offered to you by true car but pricing offered by the actual dealer and not just any dealer a true car certified dealer a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you the competitive market price it's like having a three-eyed raven that could tell you the best deals possible on new and used cars in your area it'll show you what other people in your area are paying for the same car you're looking for and you'll know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network with over 13,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact and best of all, True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states or kingdoms. The wait for Game of Thrones Season 7 is getting so much closer. It's almost over. And we are back once again to talk about Day 6 of our Road to Westeros podcast series. And I am Rob Sestrini here with Josh Wiggler to talk about uh, who are we going to love to hate this season on Game of Thrones, Josh Wiggler. Yeah, we're feeling bad today. We're talking bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad, bad girls. Bad people, just bad, bad everybody. Yes, the people that wear the black hat, Josh. And that's what we're discussing on the sixth day of our Roads to Westeros podcast series. Of course, if you missed any of it, you can hear them all when you subscribe to our Poster Recaps podcast feed and our Game of Thrones podcast feed in particular. That's postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And of course, tomorrow we have a special event coming up. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live. Josh, what time are we doing that at? Oh my God! Have we said no, that? No, have we I'm, figured I'm, I'm that out? you on the spot. But uh, <laughs> what, what, what time is good for you on Friday? Uh, let me see, real quick. Uno momento. Uh, I think like, I think like noon. Okay. Noon Pacific. Noon Pacific. Josh and I will be live on the Poster Recaps Facebook page answering your questions going into the uh, season premiere weekend. That's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific at the uh, Post Show Recaps Facebook page. Go to uh, facebook.com slash postshowrecaps for that. All right, Josh. So... The question today is, uh, who's our new Ramsey in season seven? You need a big bad. Who steps into that role vacated by uh, the late, great Bastard of Bolton? Well, that was something we talked about during you know that time in the podcast, right around the Battle of the Bastards when we did lose Ramsey. And at that point, it's like, all right, 
So Joffrey is long gone. Tywin is gone. Uh, Roose Bolton has been unceremoniously dropped. Ramsey Bolton is now gone. Like, who is the person that we love to hate? Like, who is just like that awful, ruthless character that you want to see die? Although, can I just say and, with Ramsey, I don't know if we ever got to we love to hate him. Uh, I think we just hated, we just hated, hated him. him, hated oh, him. Right. Even Joffrey, I think we love to hate him, and he had such a punchable face. But Ramsey was just such a uh, dangerous psychopath that it was hard to take any sort of joy in you know, his horribleness. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. And it was immensely satisfying to watch his face get eaten by a dog. Like, that was a great feeling. Sure. Uh, not something you say about most people, but like, that was a guy I did not mind seeing uh, being eaten by a dog. Yeah, no, we didn't mind that part. But I, I think like it was more fun with some of these other bad guys that were better villains in terms of like, he was just a psychopath. It's hard to sort of like, there was n- almost nothing human about him that you can I think you need like a little bit of that to make it be a, a villain that you can have enjoy the process of them being a villain. But I think his role on the show was very important. You know, I think that you really do want to have that one face of evil that you wouldn't mind punching in the face or seeing get torn to bits by a dog. Like, I think you want to have that character out there. Like, that was the real function of Joffrey for so long that you were just waiting for that guy to get his. And then it was for Ramsay, you're waiting for this guy to get his. And now... Are there people that are like still in that spot? I think yes and no. Like I think that there are characters certainly who are positioned to rise up to that level of villainy. But even then, I think a lot of the bad guys we're probably going to talk about today have like some level of charm that makes them exciting to watch and makes them somewhat rootable, at least on some level. So I don't know that there's a pure Ramsey left on the show uh that's an interesting place to be for game of thrones because i think it's the first time we've really lived there okay josh i would say that the person that might be the easiest to point to would it be euron Greyjoy? i feel like that there's a lot of hype on euron coming into season seven. Oh my god uh yeah but there was so much hype going in on him with season six and he was there for like two two scenes and one of them was great like when he threw Balon Greyjoy off of the side of the bridge, so you're like not that buying your awesome. hype. That lived up to expectations, but that second scene was just bad. It wasn't good. The Kingsmoot was not so mm-hmm. great, and he re- like he looked weird. I thought like the the the, the facial I already hair had a makeover some, for season seven. That's the that's the word on the street. So I think that this is really makeover. Like, dependent. Euron has like a good I, uh, publicist, I think. I think he needs a good publicist. I think he needs that dragon horn I mentioned a yeah. few episodes back. I think that'll help. I think that'll help his case a lot. But look, the Euron Greyjoy of the book is like a really terrifying nightmare creature that they basically describe. Uh, and there's a, a sample chapter from the Winds of Winter that goes into into deeper detail on just how effed up this guy is. But if like the biggest myths and rumors about this character ever come even close to being true, either in the books or on the show then this is a terrifying terrifying man to consider i just don't think that the show has done a lot in terms of really getting us there i think it's a little bit more sand snaky than it is red viper if you know what i mean like i don't think that his arrival quite lived up to the hype so season seven will have a lot of rehab on the uh on the some pr rehab needing to happen for Euron if he's really going to be the new do you think they could pull it off 
I think that he's a Pilo Asback is the guy who plays him. I think he's a good actor. Uh, I think that if he's given the right material, if he's given the right look, if they frame the shots in sinister ways, if they give him a lot of really devious content to chew on, then sure, you know, Game of Thrones has uh, Game of Thrones is capable of just about anything in my book, Rob. So it's not off the table, but I'm not hanging any hopes on it. I'm I'm letting that one be open to being. Uh, that would be a nice surprise. It'd be a nice surprise if Euron Greyjoy suddenly burst onto the scene. He was just like a total badass, and you were instantly super scared of him. Mm-hmm. Okay, Josh. Besides Euron, who do you think it could be? Well, I think we're talking a lot about, um, you know, the graduation to this class of, of true supervillainy. And I think that, look, when you think about what she did, like, how can you not talk about Cersei as mm-hmm. one of these people? You know, she nuked her own city. Uh, she is the, the queen of Westeros by title and by throne right now. And she is all out of Fs to give. You know, I think that this is a very, very frightening person as we're coming into season seven and also somebody who we're not expecting to win. So we're kind of just like counting the minutes until her downfall. And I think that could make her a very exciting character this year. Somebody who doesn't have a lot to lose, somebody whose moral center has been completely shattered. I think that that makes Cersei, who's always been trending towards like the, the harsher edges and someone who's always been at least antagonistic, if not an outright antagonist. I think that we're really positioned this year for Cersei to kind of step up, you know, if there's a lot more of like the, the way that she sticks the mountain on, um, on Septa Unella at the end of season six, like if there are more scenes like that in play, if there are more wildfire plots in the future, I think Cersei really is going to be our big human face of evil. But has she been made to be too sympathetic to be the person who is uh, like, I know she's hateable, but she is kind of like a, you know, soap opera character where I feel like that we've sort of uh, seen so much stuff happen to her. and We've seen so much of her backstory that I don't know if people truly hate Cersei. I feel like that people, uh, you know, are rooting for her in some way. Right. That's the thing is I, I don't know that that character really exists like you know we're, we're kind of fast forwarding a little bit the clear answer is like the night king right like that's right. somebody that we're all we're all able to get behind on the fact like we don't want the night king to win if the night king wins that's game over for everybody so you're not rooting for that guy but maybe even for that guy there's some sympathy as you saw how white walkers were created back in season six and the children of the forest invented them out of a move of desperation and like maybe you're starting to somewhat get into the headspace of the white walkers just a touch as that is happening so I don't know. I think with with Cersei, yeah, there's we've seen her go through a lot and we've seen her, you know, the the whole walk of shame and losing her kids. But she started off in a place where you were rooting against her. You know, she was actively positioned against the Starks from the very, very beginning of the show. And one of Game of Thrones is very cool acts. One of their cool tricks is that they make you start to see things from the Lannister perspective a little bit more as you go along. And it turns a character like uh, Jamie into a much more sympathetic character. And I think Tyrion, he was always a pretty sympathetic character, but Cersei, I don't know that they ever really pulled that off. Maybe for some people, I do know that there are people who are like, yeah, I would love to see Cersei just like continue like scorching the earth because that would be really fun to watch. So I think that you do root for her on, on some levels, but I still think that if they're, you know, if, if it's the, the, the ding, marry, kill of like John, Danny and Cersei in terms of the people who are in charge of these three armies right now, I think the, the kill option is, is fairly clear for most people. 
Yeah, I mean that she is not the person that you're rooting for to, you know, ultimately be triumphant. But if there was some scenario where Cersei was able to just make it back to Casterly Rock and, you know, uh, if her and Jamie could sort of like get out of this mess and ride off into the sunset. I do think that there's a number of viewers that would be perfectly okay with that. Mm, yeah, I think that there's a number of them. I don't think it's like a like a ton. Uh, would you would you expect that? Like, you got to imagine that Cersei is dead by the end of the show. Yeah, I I don't think that Cersei can make that pivot. But if like in some way, if there was uh you know this this star crossed couple, if they could you know these crazy kids, if they could figure it out and just get the hell out of Dodge, people would be mad at that. You have to see Cersei die. It'd be nice to see Casterly Rock. We've never seen it before. That'd be fun. Yeah. I think we'll see The Rock. <laughs> Can you smell? Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be good. Uh, what about Littlefinger? Love Littlefinger. Little Love Littlefinger. Yeah, I'm rooting thing. for Littlefinger to that's win this the whole thing. thing. That's the thing. Like you no. want Littlefinger to do well, but like he's <laughs> another guy that I think you could see. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not actually. I, you know, I don't the, the, like. Don't get it twisted. I, I don't think Littlefinger is going to ultimately uh, come out on top here. But he's been uh, one of my favorite characters to watch uh, since the start of this show. And it has been a, a joy for me to watch his rise through the ranks uh, from uh, just a the master of coin back in season one and uh, brothel owner. Does it make you wonder, like, what, what is where's Littlefinger's place on this show? Like, what, how is that growing or is it shrinking at this point? You know, if his whole ambition has been about sitting on the Iron Throne and we, the audience, know and John and many others in the North also know that that's not really an important issue. Uh, we should probably put that issue on hold and deal with the White Walker nemeses that are coming down from beyond the wall and are going to try and kill every single person. Like, how does Littlefinger fit into things when his whole thing is about political machinations, yet he is also now currently dwelling in the North, the place where that stuff matters by far and away the least. Well, I think that you end up seeing him on the move this season. I think he does uh, head back down south and potentially with uh, Sansa in tow. But I, I think that his fate is ultimately to be undermined by Sansa. I think that that's where this all comes uh, full circle with him, with uh, Catelyn's daughter ultimately getting the best of him. So you think that Littlefinger stays in the north for a while and is really dealing with Sansa in that regard? Is he kind of like the primary antagonist of that storyline this year? No, I think that he ends up uh, going back down to uh, Kings. That that might be interesting to have him be sort of like a, a thorn in uh, John's side in uh, the north. I, that I, but I, I just presume that he was going to be back on the move this season. You know, there's other, you know, ancillary bad guys, of course. There's Maester Kyburn is still in the mix. There's the mountain is still, you know, smashing heads into walls in King's Landing. But those are sidekicks. But those are sidekicks. That's right. And I think when we're even like floating out like the possibilities of like who could be like that big human face of evil, 
I think we're coming up a little bit close to empty, which is why I'm saying like, I think that that makes this season of Game of Thrones a little bit different than seasons in the past where you've always had that to some degree. And I think that now that that is kind of unplugged and like the closest you could say is Cersei. And I really do. I think you're probably right. Like if you polled enough people, they would say like, oh, I'm rooting for Cersei. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm sure there's somebody listening right now, like nodding their head. Yeah, that's how I feel. So I I think that that's kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun that we're, we're entering a time in Game of Thrones when there's a lot of different people to, to root for. There are fewer people to root against. And yet there is this ever pressing threat that is pushing down onto the story where like all of these people are going to be at great risk very soon. You know, if not this season, then certainly for that final six episode stretch of uh, of season eight, whenever that rolls around. So it's cool. It's a cool opportunity. But I just don't think that there's an easy answer to like, who's the new Ramsey? I don't know that there's ever going to be one again. I think we got one. I think somebody uh, steps up. Uh, probably the Night's King. Uh, that the only thing with him is like, uh, is he relatable enough in terms of uh, what he's right. trying to accomplish? I, I don't know if that totally. flashback did enough for me. Yeah, and and that's the thing too is like you know what kind of personality does this guy bring to bear? I mean, I I say that, and his whole like come at me crow shoulder you know arm raise from hard home is such a memorable moment, and there's no dialogue involved in that. So like the Night King's got some sass when he wants to bust out the sass, but I think that you just need to give that character a little bit more personality to to really consider him honestly more of a character and less of just like the the avatar of pure evil that is that is spinning down onto Westeros. I think that guy needs to get a little bit more of a flourish, a little bit more screen time. He doesn't need any dialogue at all. I'm not advocating for that, but I think you need to give him more moments like the arm raise. Like you need to give him more of a of a wink and nod relationship to a different character at a certain point in time for that guy to really be looked at as like, "Oh god, that villain is such a good villain." Instead of just being like the general of this army of the undead. Mm -hmm. All right, Josh. Well, tomorrow we are going to be taking your questions live 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Poster Recaps Facebook page. And if you miss out on that, you can always catch that podcast in our Poster Recaps podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. And we always appreciate your feedback. Hey, look, maybe you think that we are the biggest villains around. You want to give us one star ratings in iTunes. That's it. You can do that. You can do that. put that out there what are you doing or but or or you could give us five star rating that's that but we're not going to sit here and mandate that hey you have to give us a five star rating <laughs> you're encouraging them to unleash no the, i'm saying the if, 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 if we are, are the villains <laughs> yeah treat us like the villains yeah all right well rob said it i didn't so be kind to me how about that yeah Okay, and so go to the iTunes store, postyourrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes, and you get to make the decision uh, when you get there. All right, so uh, that's going to be it for us today. Of course, uh, Josh Wiggler, he's at Ron Howard on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sestrina. We'll be back uh, talking with you live and getting to uh, to hear what you have to say on Facebook uh, on Friday. And then, of course, Sunday night, we will be live after the Game of Thrones premiere. Myself, Stephen Fishback, Josh Wiggler coming up on Sunday night. Can't wait for that, Josh. Oh, my God. It's going to be fun. Going to be really, really good. Can't wait to talk about some new Game of Thrones. It is. All uh, right. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a minute. (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, Hope to see you on Facebook. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.